Welcome to Warnounds, a Privateer Press podcast hosted by Line of Sight. I'm Locke, he's Caster, and today on Warnounds, we will be doing a Iron Kingdom's Requiem special, part one. Hello and welcome everyone to episode 80, uh, our Lore Nouns installment number 22. And as Kat, uh, Locke stated here, <laughs> sorry, not I, Locke, uh, stated here, this will be a special for Requiem, uh, as we are going to be talking about the RPG Requiem. Uh, yeah, we think we know what we're doing, but we're not entirely positive, so come on with this with our random journey of getting lost in random spots and turn that down, I don't want to hear your Pokemon music. Sorry. We, we, one of our children is still up in the background. Um, so... Um, I need to get this out of the way right now. Okay, we just we need to get this out of the way, and then we can go about our business. The Iron Kingdoms, Privateer Press's Iron Kingdoms Requiem 5 ebooks are in desperate need of an editor and a proofreader. And also, whoever would go through to relay out the, these books, they're terrible. Like, I have the D&D Player Handbook 5th Edition right here. And if you were... Because you um, to play Iron Kingdom's Requiem, you need this book. You you will be screwed if you do not have it. Um, because there are stats in this that apply to your characters in Iron Kingdoms. But it's so much better. It, <laughs> it so, makes so much more sense and it's laid out so much smarter. And oh my god... It, I was looking through this book, and in nowhere in this book does a freaking class start in the middle of a page. Whereas the Requiem books, it does. But if you're listening to this, you probably already know that. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. Okay, we're done. <laughs> I will complain about that more later. Yes, I'm sure that will come up. Not not here. I'm just going to bitch about it when we get off the cast. Oh, okay. So um, today's, uh, the point of today is really to give an overview of Requiem, as yeah. uh, some of our listeners has commented, it'd be really nice to know how to play 5th edition Requiem from a lore standpoint to actually play it properly, not just this is 5th edition pretends to be Iron Kingdom. Which is basically what, 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 what Requiem is. If you don't have the innate knowledge like me and Caster have, because, you know, we're lore whores. Um, then you won't be able, it, it, it'll be confusing for you. And, and one thing that you need to understand straight up about any form of the Iron Kingdoms RPG based on the, or, or any form of the Iron Kingdoms RPG is it is not exactly the same lore as the tabletop. And because we have gone through four lore nouns a lot with the tabletop, we, we, have, we, we do use the, um, the RPGs for lore, for our lore nouns, but... If you look at events that happen in the original Forces books and all that other stuff that came out for the tabletop, and you compare the lore into the lore in the Iron Kingdoms, they're not always exactly the same. I mean, it pretty much hits the same beats, but sometimes things will be slightly different. Yes. And now that may be something that you want to really hammer on in your games, or it might not, but it is something that you must take into account. Um, and um, the next thing that you really need to 
understand is Requiem is leaning very heavily into fifth edition and fifth edition really is about people being whatever they want to be, which is not so in Iron Kingdoms. And one example that I'm, we're going to bring up and probably talk about again later is that Gobbers and Ogren have no natural magic. So if you do want to play a lore accurate um, game, you need to be straight with your players that you are going to be enforcing certain rules, like no magically wielding Ogren or um, Gobbers. Now, there are cases when they are blessed with magic from Dunia, but those are rare. And some people will bring up, well, Augur and have magic and Legion, and but yes, that's that because, because the magic they, comes we're, we're, from... Everblight, but uh, Everblight, specifically. And we'll get into that at a we'll, much later date. We'll explain that. Yeah. So, um, one thing that was already touched on that we will also get out of the way, and I'm going to link this into the description... Is can I, can I, 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 just, I didn't think I, I made that thought clear enough. I just want to finish okay. my previous thought. Sorry. My brain's all spazzy. Um, you need to make sure up front that you let your players know when you're making a campaign that you are not necessarily going to let them do whatever they want because that's not lore friendly unless you want to let them. So that's, that's something you need to talk about with your party because um, the book doesn't give them restrictions that they should have in the lore. Yes, again, this keys it's, it's into the whole, some, yeah. this is D&D 5th edition cosplaying as, rec as Iron Kingdoms as the most accurate way we have come across to describe it. Not necessarily cosplaying it, very well. <laughs> yeah, so um, just bear that in mind and make that decision that is right for you and your party, if you're the GM yeah. or the player, how you want to run your game. But you is need it to... more lore-centric, yeah. or is it more D&D-centric? And that's going to be a division that we're going to be hammering on over and over and over again, because it's a distinction that must be defined and for your character or your game. And you need to start out this way. They need to know at the beginning. Because otherwise, you could get down ways into your game, and then the con have the conflict arise, and that could you know, damage your your game. Yeah. And that that's just something coming from our standpoint. Yeah. If you are more like, well, I just want to play D&D &D and have this flavor, then go for it. Yeah. That's perfectly we're, we're fine. Not, we're not saying there's a wrong or right way to play. We're, but there we're are just, two distinct paths. Yeah. <laughs> we are we're just letting you know that um, a lot of the lore, as we have told you, and what we have in our books and everything, does not... Con or does not, I don't know. There's a word there that I can't think of, um, but it, it doesn't quite match up. Um, yeah. And so you got to you got you got to make sure that people understand going into it. Okay, I finished my thought. Sorry. All right. So um, having stated all that, uh, we uh, what we're going to be doing here is first off, you, there is a resource you're going to need for D and D. Now the player's handbook is great. However, it's not actually what uh, the Requiem is using. It is using something called the SRD. And the SRD is the um, System Reference Document, version 5.1, also known as the SRD5. I'm going to be looking, linking this into the description as this acts as both the player's handbook and 
the GM Game Master's book. You can use the player's handbook if you need a physical copy because this do. is 403 pages. But all you really, really, really need to know is the SRD strips all care, uh, classes down to level 1 and 2 only. Literally 1 and 2 only. There is nothing, no information for past level 2. That's because Requiem is supposed to take over the class at that point. Secondly, any class printed in the book, like the Paladin, which also exists in the SRD, overrules the SRD Paladin and any other cases of that. If a class or a race is specifically stated and has the basic stats for it for the class, in Requiem, it overrules the SRD information. And then lastly, feats are removed. All D&D feats, with the exception of one or two, and it is literally one or two, I just can't remember which, which ones they were by name, uh, are removed from the game. You are supposed to use the ones in Requiem according to the essences you use. Caveat to that, if the GM, de caveat, whatever, um, if your GM decides we're not using the essences, which we'll explain what that is later, then everything I just said is, said is thrown out the window and you do use the feats. Again, that's something I'm gonna get into a little bit later, but I wanted to make that distinction now as it was a little confusing to us because in this book, there is three lines of text that tell, in the Requiem book, there are three lines of text that tell you this. It is, it is very poorly laid and out. And if you don't see that, you're going to be very confused like The we table were. of context is your friend. Yes, and even then, it doesn't explain everything. So that is why we are going over all of this and trying to help you out uh, as we had to stumble and bumble through it. And we're still stumbling and bumbling through it. Uh, to an extent, yes. To this day. So, um, the Iron Kingdoms itself. Let's do a little bit of an overview. Okay, um... Like, just, just in, in cleft In what notes. regards? So, uh, first off, the Iron Kingdoms was based on the D20, uh, D&D you know, okay. 3.5 version. I'm gonna bring this down to you. Okay. okay. so, in... If we go back to the, um, Iron Kingdoms, um, role table, the D6 role-playing game. We have those books over there. I, I don't have the... I have Requiem books right here. But if you go back to the, to the pre-Requiem books... Um, they'll have maps and all sorts of stuff for breakdowns. They're very, very cool and awesome. In Requiem, there is not a single map that I have found, and I've looked through this book a lot, of the Iron Kingdoms. If you want a map of the Iron Kingdoms, so you can actually look at said map and use it for your gameplay, you have to go to... See, there's, there's no map. You've looked yeah, through this book, there's no I, map. I know there's no map. You have to go to... I believe it is... The first map that you can get is Shadows of the Seeker, a supplementary book, is the first one that has, you go turn two pages, right here, a map. It's a beautiful map, and it shows the Iron Kingdoms as they are today. Yep. Um, most of the maps that we currently have are pre-claiming, and the ones that in this one is like the first um, post-claiming map that you can get. It's a beautiful map, and but it's the only map that I've found. Like, the other books don't have these maps. No. You had, to get a map of the Iron Kingdoms, you have to get the Shadow of the Seeker book. 
Yes, and it's a very um, zoomed out map uh, showing yeah, but, the, the, you know, the I mean, continent. It, it shows you the which is awesome. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of those. I mean, it shows you railways and 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 who currently owns what. Though they could have colored some of the continent or some of the. There, there are there are some more in the borderlands and beyond, but those are very very small regional maps. Yeah. Like and they're they're not level. they're they're so we have to explain this, and I don't know if this is the right spot for it, but what these books are. Okay. okay, fine. Iron Kingdoms, the original D6 series, focused a lot on the inner workings of basically the main nations and what was going on within them, which is very lovely. Very lot of lore, very stuff, very cool. But they didn't do a lot of stuff on the borderlands and the outer areas of the Iron Kingdoms. They never completed it. They were like yeah. two or three books away from completing never, and really fleshing it out. You never got anything on Ios. You never got anything on the Dwarves. Not really. Um, you didn't get anything in the Cricks. Not really. Um, no. I mean, just little bits, but nothing. So, the Wilds were left out on The Requiem books are all that stuff that they hadn't released in the Requiem books. So when it comes to making a world and everything like that, you are going to be lacking for information on the core nations. Now, having said that... If... Sorry, sorry, I'll shut up. I, I, I'm going to take over for just a moment here. Um, if you need the rest of the information, thank you for the segue, you will want to go back to the original D20 system that this entire game world Privateer Press's existence was based upon. And that was the original... Uh, Iron Kingdoms uh, from third edition or three point five edition. I'm suddenly forgetting which one it is. It was. It was. The reason why I bring 5. that up is there is a world guide that explains the inner workings of a lot of that that they never went back and retouched up on later, as we just described for their own system, which we call the IKRPG. There's the the original D20. Original D20. The IKRPG, which is the which is Privateer Press's own RPG that we were just talking about, the D6 system, the D6 system, and then today you have Requiem. Now, and those are the three RPGs, and they do build upon each other. the The original D20 system is the Witchfire trilogies, which they did release in um, for the Requiem. They changed a lot. Um, they, they they took three books and slimmed it like three, I think. 150 page or 200 page book something like that and slimmed it down to if you include the beastery and index 88 pages yeah so it is extremely slimmed down it is a great intro to the iron kingdom's setting and feeling sort of but as far as the Witchfire trilogy story is concerned, it is not. And it, 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 it's... If, if you're wondering, anyone out there is wondering on yeah. that. You also have to break down the Iron Kingdoms into the, the pre-claiming and the post-claiming yep. um, lore. Yes, as they are very different. The world changes. The I mean, Very, very different animals. So, for those of you who maybe aren't exactly sure what that is, pre-claiming, the world exists as normal... Kingdoms are battling it out and that sort of thing. Then the claiming happens. It is not apocalyptic. Requiem is not a post-apocalyptic world. It is a post-cataclysmic. We are mending. We are repairing. 
things yeah. are on the mend. But, but having stated uh, that, the world has changed irreversibly from what it was before the claiming. I mean, they'd like you to think that. Sorry. That That's... <laughs> when you really get into the nitty-gritty, Locke, yeah, but that is what it's supposed to be. That is how they have described it, and that's what all the imagery is telling you. So just keep that in mind as far as how things are laid out. And for those of you who are also interested um, to know how Mark IV of War Machine, for anyone who's wondering where that fits into it, that takes place between 10 and 15 years after Requiem. Requiem is a slice of life that is frozen in time. Is that what it's meant to be? I thought it was supposed to be around the same time. No, it's it's 10 to 15. This is a Requiem is 10 years after the claiming and Mark IV is 10 to 15 years after that. That's a huge time jump. Yes, it is. Someone figured it out between what Matt Wilson was saying and some other people. Just I, I could give you the exact numbers had I bothered to write that down. I'm going off the top of my head, but I know I'm within five years on both of those. So me. Yeah. Alright, so there you have it as far as that's concerned. You will need the SRD 5, uh, which I'm going to link in the description for this podcast or look it up for yourself. It's the SRD 5 or SRD 5.1 PDF. You are, we are building upon the lore from the original IKRPG uh, the original 6, D6 and as well the original D20. Now, it might be difficult to get the D20. I'm pretty sure you can find a PDF online. But oh, yes. you can find the I, um, the RKRPG books. You can still find those books um, lying around. Um, we you know, they're, they're still for sale you know, out there. You can still buy them and everything. Um, the original Rich Fire trilogy, which is the um, original D20 system, uh, we bought one, but it was kind of expensive. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it was. Give me so, just... Continue talking for just a second there. Yeah, so you would probably want to um, find a PDF of it. So that way you, you know... So you could also go to a site like DriveThruRPG and you can find the PDFs for the um, D6 system. And they have a few books for the I, original D20. I'm a physical girl, so I need... Um, Paper. I, I need books. I can work with PDFs, but not everyone can, so... Preferably thicker books, hardcovers, in case I have to bludgeon somebody with, with it. Yes, yes. Anyways, we're like getting to bring off track. Things, I would like to bring things in from um, the the new um, ah, Broken Coast. No, that's something completely different. Nightmare um, Empire. Nightmare Empire. I'd like to bring things in, but the books won't fucking come to my goddamn house. They're, they've been sitting up at Privateer Price headquarters for weeks. I'd live close enough. I could drive up there them out yet bitch until, somebody. Yeah, well, they're not done. They're not, they're not done. They they're post their address online. Yes, yes, yes. All right, now continuing on, almost 20 minutes in. Hey, that that was a good time for an opening. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, I'm I'm friendly banter. Maybe. Okay, so what I what I want to know is, do you want to try to, are you going to try to do a whole, you know, 20 episodes of lore nouns in like the next 10 minutes or? Uh, I was intending on giving a very very brief overview. Yes. Of the current world. Of the current world. Eh. Current world. Okay, so 
basically what you got to know. Oh, here's is... something else that you should know is if you want to have monsters in your book and you don't want to have to bring D&D monsters, you're going to have to buy a lot of books because they are spread all over the damn place. Like if you want to use thralls or even risen, they are not in the base book in the bestiary of the base book. And to be completely honest with you, they're not even in the Monsternomicon. Um, so to get as many monsters as for what I've been doing, I've even been pulling, um, I've been, um, actually pulling a lot of my monsters from the supplementary books, like the Witchfire trilogies and the shadow of the, um, the shadows of the seeker, just cause they've got better, more interesting monsters in there than, um, some of the other books. So that's just something to keep in mind. Yeah. Uh, look at the back of all the books before you decide if you want it from a GM standpoint, because a lot of the monsters are going to be there. Uh, and uh, the Witchfire one's actually been very helpful for you for like low level uh, CR well, stuff. Yeah, it's 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 for a, it, it's based or it's it's a level class for one through four, and that's what you guys are. Yeah. And I mean, there there's a lot of interesting stuff in there that you know you don't get in the base books. Very true. So. I'm going to very briefly lay out the bare bones here, and then our previous Lore Nouns episodes really break it out further from that, but it's a lot of information to hash through. Also, so. a lot of the information that we have in our previous Lore Noun epi um, episodes are, are the pre-claiming stuff. He's going yes. to break down as quickly as he can the post-claiming. So, uh, really what you got to know is... There... Uh, Kador and Signar were at war. They are currently not at war. They're just glaring at each other. Ord is being Ord because they're always Ord. Um, they're the, the Switzerland. They stay yeah. neutral. They, they sell to both sides. Um, you know, and uh, Ios is now all undead because we needed more of that. Um, Crix was very highly unaffected by what, what was going on, and Rule had a giant cl um, colossal horror rampaging around, and now they're kind of pissed off about it. Yeah, and uh, also, oh, Protectorate! Everybody packed up and left, and those who don't, uh, who didn't, are getting stomped on. Yeah, the Protectorate is a it, running a nation on a skeleton crew of both clergy and people because yeah, it's a and theocracy. their current leader decided that he was going to go live on Zoo because it sounded more interesting. Um, and despite the fact that they have, you know, it's like, it's like those people who went to Australia, like, you know, maybe the wildlife will kill you, but it's better than the people. Yeah. <laughs> um, so well, some people might not know what any of that is. <laughs> so you have Signar. Signar is, they, they paint themselves as the good old boys in blue, but they're not. Uh, every entity in the Iron Kingdoms has a dark side. Um, Signar has a habit of putting their human population above the others uh, and using uh, the Trollkins specifically as kind of a buffer people to fend it's off... America meets Britain. Uh, uh, no, may, uh, the settlers of Pick a Place treats the native, uh, native people no, no. there. Signar sort of. is America and Britain. There's something else sprinkled on top, but I can't figure out quite what it is. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, um, so they they have a history of not being the best to their non-human neighbors, and they all have proper British accents. Yes, uh, Signar their their cultural heritage is a little bit of American, but a mostly Cockney British sort of 
area. Think of America's um, military budget, though. That's what that and, and and like the cutting edge technology. Yes, they have the cream of the crop for resources, uh, uh, number of people with magic innately in them. Uh, their uh, universities and whatnot are top notch. That they. they Exactly as you stated, their their technological level is higher than everyone else. The protectorate are basically um, they're a theocracy. They're a theocracy. They're they're also it's Venice. It's just Venice, but bigger. Um, and they used to be a protectorate, and or they protectorate used to be part of Signar until a civil war. A civil war that didn't happen that long ago. Like it yeah. was. It like, was a religious civil war. They divided. Um, uh, Signar had a province that wasn't really worth much it's very deserty not a lot of resources there and they're like you guys you can go there and the protector like yay we get to be our own thing now and they went and they they did a good job they they worked with what they had they they also are 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 very heavily um italians yes uh italian influences all over the place there uh with a hefty amount of catholicism yes uh i mean literally one of the models on the table is a giant organ Yep, an organ on wheels with uh, someone praying into it. Um, it's also a tomb. Which just makes it even better. To a saint of theirs. So um, then you have... And they, they, they have an uneasy piece now with Signar, but um, they, they don't attack each other outright or anything like that, but they do... When they outsource their wars elsewhere, they do have a tendency to go and um, sort of bitch slap each other around a little bit. They have a bigger problem with Kador for some weird reason, but yeah. So the other thing to keep in mind, it is called the Protectorate of Menoth because technically the Protectorate is a Protectorate because it's being protected by Signar. Oh, like on paper only. They, That's they where really they get their name from. Fight. I mean, if if a if a Menite or a member of the Protectorate ran into, um, and if you are playing a member, someone from the Protectorate, you are Menoth. There is no ands, buts, or changing your you, mind. You are a Menite, or you are, are cast dead. out, or you're dead. That, um, that's it. People from from Morrow, or not from Morrow, people from Signar typically uh, are Morrowinds, but they can be Mennites. It, 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 it can be. If you're so, from Protectorate, you are a yes. Mennite. And we'll touch back on those religions yeah. briefly in just a moment. If a Mennite meets a Signarin out in the wild, they'll probably just be like, hey, uh, you should pray to Menoth. And that's probably will be the, and the other one be, will be like, eh, maybe, maybe not. That'll, that'll be the just, uh, the gist sure, of their I'll interaction. I'll throw a pinch when I get back into town and then not do it. Yeah. They're, they're they don't really care about each other. Yeah. They, 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 can get, they can get along easily as long as it's not on religious terms. You yeah. Know? And uh, so moving along, we have Ord, which they are the Spain. Spanish. Yep. 100% they are the Spanish. And you have in, in Ord, you have two different groups of people. You have the Castellans and you have the um, Thurians. And the um, Castellans are the Spanish. The Thurians are like the Portuguese. Uh, they they work together, and they kind of get along, but there's a class, cultural clash going on between the two of them as to who's better, and uh, that comes from the fact that the Castellans conquered the Thurians long, long, long ago, and so there's a bit of a cultural divide between the two. And um, so, you also have have the the, the 
they are tend to be a seafaring people. Yes. And um, they also are very much into money. Um, yep. So uh, if you're playing like a pirate, you are probably from Ord. Um, or one of the Scarred Islands, but eh. We'll get to them in a second. Yeah. You're, if you're playing a less violent part pirate, you're probably from Ord. Um, or, yeah, you're, you're from Ord, more than likely. Ord or is also... A, a mariner, you're from Ord. Yep. Uh, Ord is also the uh, centralized hub of nearly every mercenary charter ever. Uh, because they have the most lenient tax system... And because the nation is neutral, if you're chartered through them and one of the others go to war, you aren't immediately going to lose business because now you are, you know, you're in the wrong place. And they, they sell both to Signar and Kador um, yes. at the same time, and they don't care if one or the other gets mad. Um, so one thing to pull back on is the Protectorate of Menoth. Um, their technological level is whatever they can steal they're not supposed to have it themselves so it's a lot of smuggled and then reskin it in a religious tone to fit their aesthetic uh they're um kind of they're not to the point that signar is but they're not too far behind because that's where a lot of their technology comes from ord is kind of on the same level of that to one step lower they don't have the resources to really throw around with the others. They wait for Signar to fix the bugs, and then they buy the blueprints off of somebody, start making it, and selling it to Kador. Basically. <laughs> well, to an extent, yes. Or to the mercenaries. Yeah, or to the mercenaries. They, they get everything secondhand, and they excel at finding reliable and resilient things and then just improving upon them. So they, they, they let everyone else have the, all the brand new toys that break, and they pay attention to the ones that don't. They also are a very heavily textile-based um, economy. Yep. All, all the fabrics and uh, tobacco and... Uh, They're all about that money. Yep. All comes from them. All right. So moving on from Ord would be Lael. The French... They are French. And they have their whole nation back because apparently Kador seceded it back, which is just sort of disappoints me, but you know, whatever. For a long time, Kador conquered half, well, three quarters of their nation and couldn't quite take that last little bit. And then the protectorate. So if you are Lailies, you hate the Kadorans. Yes. You also hate the protectorate because the protectorate came in and we're like, oh, you guys are having so much trouble. Do you want some help? And um, you were like, yes, yes, help us. And they're like, okay, you are now going to worship Menoth, and we're taking over. And they're like, wait, what? Yeah, they're like, okay, and we're going to go this way because that's where the Kadorns are. Come. And they're like, no, no. We're going to set this little building on fire because, you know, it offends us religiously. We're, we're, yeah, we're going to take this town um, temporarily, in air quotes, uh, and then we're going to take the surrounding area as a base of there's, operations. There's yes, this, that. There's this hilarious map in the God's Nation and King's book where it shows you uh, what was conquered by who. And so it's got Lael in their whole outline. So then it's got what Kador currently owns. And then it has what the Northern Crusade, which was Protectorate, currently owns. And, and then, then there's this tiny little, little bit that this free Lael, yeah. which was literally one town and some farms. Yeah. Uh, it was a fortified town, but it was originally just a manor that they just kept throwing walls up around, hoping no one breached them. 
kind of like my uh, my town and my my campaign fresh. Yeah. yeah. So um, as a result, you don't like Mennites, especially those of the new faith, which is protectorate. Yeah. You don't like the Kedorans. You, you are miffed at the Signorans because, because they, they never said they'd help, but they never innovated because they didn't want to really get involved. They just sent some people up there who were like, "Hey, we're not actually Signorans, but." Secretly, we are. And they're like, that's not enough. Yeah, and then there's a whole bunch of Signarans that got left there when uh, Kador pushed the lines past Lael uh, through Signar, and they stayed instead of trying to find a way home. So there's kind of a mixed relationship well, so, um, there. The Northern Crusade kind of fell apart during the claiming, so there's a bunch of random-ass protectorates running around. Yes, that really have no no goal left uh, and are just kind of disenfranchised from both their... Possibly their faith, but definitely their nation. They also, um, uh, Lael does a lot in wine and other fine goods. Yes, if it is fine brandy, wine, um, tapestries, or, um, like pottery and ceramics, that's going to come from Lael. That is like their bread and butter, what they're known for. Oh, also instruments. Also, you A are lot of fine instruments French. come from there. And yes, France. Uh, think of what they're known for in real life. Minus the, you know, world wars and all that ha-ha jokes. No. Like, what actually French people are known for, that is what the Laelis are known for. Um, as far as how they got conquered and all that, we're going to get to that in other Lore Nouns episodes in the future. So come back for those. I'm not going to get into that now. Now, moving on to... We can either go to Ios or we can go up to Rule. I figure we'll take care of Kador first. Oh, Kador. We're going to stick with the humans. Uh, Russia. Yes, they are Russia with a bit of... Mother Kedor. Yes, Mother Kedor. Um, a bit of German influence here and there in their ingenuity, which has been pointed out over the years, but the main focus point is this they is also, in the Russia lore. during, like, the Tsars, uh, mixed no, with a little bit of World yeah, War II. Tsars, yeah. A little, little bit of World War II. But they... Um, I've discovered in the lore that they have been fucked over. Like, they have genuine beef with everybody, almost everybody, and there's reasons for it. And yes. It's the only people they don't hate are the Ordic. And that is because the Ords, I mean, they've tried to take their land a few times, but the Ords have never overtly tried to do anything against they, them or mess with them too Ord much. a little bit. It was, it was mostly just a casual poke, though. Yeah, it was kind of like, we're going to test the borders here. Uh, we're going to try and take a town. You know, can you defend yourself? That sort of thing. Oh, come but, on. They said the butcher. That, that was through the Thornwood. Mm, okay. And the Henchhold. But, yeah. Anyways, um, so that they they mostly have a beef with Signar. Mm. Massively. They, if you are a key Doran... dwarves. Yeah, you do not like the dwarves. You do not like the Caspians, yeah. which are the uh, Signarans, the, the uh, or the Midlands, the, or all the peoples that make up Signar. You, you don't just, like you them. Just think, well, I mean, they, they did screw you over slightly, but you just think they're kind of uppity. Um, also, um, children were raised being told the tales of all the times that their nation basically tried to ask for help or things happened they got and betrayed they got during the Orgoth War by, by like, like the, the, the first Orgoth yeah, War by, by like Signar. And so they, they, they massively don't like you and they don't, they, they didn't really care or they, they, they don't like Signar and then, um, Protectorate and them were trying to, to 
um, make a deal over in Lael, and um, one of the um, one of the the generals in Protectorate got kind of uppity and um, uh, sort of like slapped Vlad across the face with a glove, um, except a little more violently. And um, Vlad's like, "All right, then we're doing this," and and they went to war. Yeah, so I mean, like, really... they, they want to do peace talks. Yeah. The the mediator uh, representative from uh, Protectorate. I uh, Vindictus. He just love Vindictus. Uh, he was not the right he's person like, to send. Worship Menoth. And um Vlad's like, Yeah, I do. And he's like, Do it in the right way. And he goes, No, come on. That your new faith, I'm old faith. We, we both worship Menoth, yay Menoth. And he's like, Nope. Bitch slap. Yeah, so that that caused a uh nearly a war between the two Child. nations, but it came very close. Child, go to bed. Um You don't have like a hey. Okay, you're paying attention. Protector doesn't have like a like a full on beef with um or Kador doesn't have a of like a full on beef with Protectorate, um. But I mean, you're not probably too happy. Good night, love you. Uh, and then the Laelies, the Kadorans are don't. <laughs> dislike them they're I just don't, like I don't know part how... of your country used to be part of us a long time ago we're going to take that back and anything else we can if you can't stop us and they did a wonderful job at it I don't I don't know how they would feel currently because I mean they they, they gave it back yeah I, I think it was a well actually we know it was a case of we don't have the infrastructure means to like resources to hold this anymore. yeah resources to hold this anymore so here you go plus you have a queen now before you didn't like you were kingless for like decades so you know what's even funnier that was signar's fault <laughs> yeah 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 it was foreshadowing um anyways that's gonna moving be so on. beautiful when we get to that ios um, there are two different kinds of elves, the Iosans and the Nis. The Iosans are elves, Nis are winter elves. They're, they're, they're the same thing. So, um, long, 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 long story, incredibly short. Elves have multiple gods. One of the gods, um, the gods came to the physical world, and one of them was like, I don't like what you other guys are doing here, so I'm going to take my fane, which is basically his worshippers, and we're going to go. And so they went up somewhere into Kador. Uh, Kador went, way to the yeah. north of Kador, Kador, into the frozen north. Do not really care about the Nis. There, there are large um, because the Nis can't live up where they are originally from because of mm, my beloved Everblight. Um, a lot of Nis live in different cities in Kador's in kind of slums, and the Kadors are kind of like eh, whatever. <laughs> Just do your work. Um, yeah. So they also don't really care about Ogrins either, but they hate dwarves because dwarves are assholes to them. I forgot to mention something about uh, uh, Kador. So, uh, sorry. Go I, on, I, you can mention it real quick. Okay, so um, touching back on Kador, I forgot to mention something. Um, their cultural stuff um, if you are card, you feel you're superior to all other people living in Kador because your people conquered all the others a long time ago for various reasons. And if you're Skirov or Umbrian, you got conquered and you're not happy about it. No, you, you want your kingdoms back. Um, if you are um, the uh, Kossites, you would prefer to just live out in the woods in your shack and live like your ancestors did, but for one reason or another, you are pushed also, into the cities and you're not happy about it, but that's where you're at now. Kador, I believe, has mandatory military service. Conscripts yeah. are a huge part. You must, everyone must serve the military for a certain number of and years. They are, we don't they know are, exactly they, how many. They do not do, or, um, they're discriminate between gender. 
No, it's men, women, doesn't matter. If you're like, and you're 18 talking, years old, you no, no, shift no, no, off no, to no, 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 they start whatever. younger there. Yeah, it's like 16. Okay. But anyways, you hit you hit your name day. You're being sent off to the military. X number of years later, you get out. Yeah. So every Kadoran has military experience. Yes, all of them. Additionally, serfdoms. If you know what a serfdom is, I'm not going to explain it, but that is how the Kadoran, um, like culture, economy, duchies, all that, how it's all laid out is nobles and serfs. So you have that cultural aspect as well. It's not leaned into very much, but if you really want to get into the flavor of it, there you go. Also, a lot of gangs. Yes, a, a lot, lot of crimes gangs. In the, crime um, in the city. The uh, mafias, for lack of other terms, I don't remember what they're actually called in Russia at this very moment. Um, that that's a big they part of it. Called mafias. Whatever. Um, oh. Back to the back to the elves. So, okay. So um, Ios, back at Ios. Nisser uh, was a, looking at what the other guys were doing. Goes, I'm not about this. Picked up all those people, um, moved them up uh, to the top of Kador, and called them the Nis. Then um, shit went down, and they had to skedaddle. And they, after a very, very long period of time and some miscommunication, he ended up back in um, IOS. Then if you want to know more, you can, um, you can go through the Shadow of the Seeker book because that's going to break down what why, happened. Yes, and why we now have Eldritch, which yeah. we're not going to go into that too much, partially because we haven't, I haven't fully read it, neither has Locke. Uh, we're holding off on that for our lore announce episodes, but um, just comes down to things happened between um, during the claiming between the Infernals, Ios, Crix, and Scorn. That's a lot of people, a lot of events. Again, things happened. You want to know about it? Check out the book. Yeah, Shadows of the Seeker. Yep. So, and now all of the um, there there are still um, living Nis and Iosans, um, but now they've mixed their classes. Um, it, it, oh, and also this this is very important, and you need to understand this. Nis cannot be warcasters. They cannot. Um, no, they they also are not natural warlocks. They are only warlocks because of Everblight. And that's only if. One of his uh, thonk shards yeah. is inside of them. Otherwise, yeah. they can't. Now, they are very magically inclined. Yes, they have Sorcerers, magic all over the place. Yes. Priests, yes. Just not warcasters, not warlocks yeah. outside of Everblight. Now, uh, having stated that, regarding the Iosans, they have warcasters. They also have um, warlocks, although it's never been fully explained. We have one character to go off of who uses a flute to command uh, serpents called Talsworms. So that does exist. Do with that as you will until they flesh it out more. But yeah. Um, and lastly, Iosans can also be magically inclined or not. They, they, they tend to be of, highly magically inclined, but yeah. also. So um, because of uh, pre-mentioned weird shit that happened with their gods, they also have what's known as the Solace, which they made a, play, a playable class yes. in these books, which very irritates me because the Solace has no emotion and no agency on their own. Um, they will do the bare minimum to keep themselves alive, and sometimes they won't even do that unless they are ordered to. So if you're playing a Solace and you're a bubbly, happily little jumping girl, um, jumping up and down with a jump rope, you're playing it wrong. So, yeah, the touch on the Solace, and this is something where I'm going to go just a step further about to explain why the Solace are 
Um, so the soulless are Iosins. It's just—it's very simple. You—they—they they have a reincarnation. Um, they have a reincarnation cycle, and it has been broken. And so the souls are not getting reincarnated like they should. The baby is being born because fertility reasons, but the soul never actually goes into the body. The baby doesn't even cry at birth to indicate it's it's hungry. So if the parents don't kill it or doesn't starve to death, the mother has to be extremely diligent on feeding it, whatnot. That feeds into the whole no agency thing. A soulless character, it does exist. You and can are, play as it, but are, you have to be very, very specific. Good, they are they are good at magic. or they, they they don't technically have magic. They, they don't have magic. magic. They're they, anti-magic. They absorb magic into themselves to try and fill the void of where their soul was. That's effectively what happens, but we don't have anything to explain why or what happens to the magic. It also, just goes away. They are very they they can be very good, ruthless, um, straightforward killers. But they have no emotions. Yes, which is why they're good ruthless killers. But yeah, they have no emotions and they have no real reason or desire to understand so I, right from wrong. They really should not have been a playable class. So yes, yeah. That, that's really sort of stupid in my opinion. Uh, so just bear that in mind if someone's like, oh, I'm going to be a soulless and this and that. It's like, well, you should stop and really talk also, to that person or think about it. Eldridge a playable class, which is not going to be welcome in normal society. They look eldritch. And that brings us to our the next group, which is Crix. Yeah. Crix is um, the head of all dragons, Toruk. Uh, he landed on the island of Scard, began spreading his blight everywhere, and things began to die, and Raze is undead. He turned them into his minions. He has a whole hierarchy built around himself and his lich lords and iron liches. And everyone serves Taruk. We haven't gotten into that in too much depth. Um, it is fleshed out in the um, the books. The D6 uh, no. IKRPG. No, it's, it's, it's also not, it's not fleshed out very much in the, there. There's like nothing on Crix. Oh, I'm um, talking about in the Scarred Islands books or whatever they're called. That I, I oh my god. The I, the uh, Nightmare Empire yeah. books, which are coming it's, in Fifth Edition. It's they fleshed out it far there, better. and uh, he. It's also fleshed out in a lot in the. Um, tabletop lore because Crix is actually very interesting there. Yeah, um, but, but everyone hates them and uh, they are just there to try and... His entire goal is he doesn't care about humanity. Yeah. The Crix don't care about humanity. They're there to gather bodies to raise undead to form armies to fight other dragons. It just happens to be that humans are the cattle and catalysts they need to get there. And well, the, the, the Lich Lords are kind of doing their... They have their own agendas. Yeah, and, and, and they, they use Truk to sort of advance their own their own agendas, and he kind of knows what they're doing. He also knows that if he blinked at them, they would die. So and They you know, know they're very... Well, all but one of them are very aware of this. Um, but you also have to understand, if you're going to be a... Like a statistics raider... They are not welcome on land. No. They are not liked because they are violent and they are cruel and they are awful. They, they used to be um, like nomadic tribic people, but then they got, um, blighted. They got blighted that changed them and yeah. they're... Uh, we, they're we, yeah. we, we've talked about them some. We don't need to get them in, in, into in, in depth here, but 
just so you know that if you're going to play one of those and you have a player who's going to play one of those, you have to decide if you want how you want to handle that because yeah. truthfully, they should not be allowed in any major cities. Like the Scarred Islands, there are places where they could be if you kept it in the Scarred Islands, but if you want to go into the main continent, they're going to probably get chased in the streets. And it's explicitly stated in the IKRPG, which is the D6 system, that even in the pirate coves, the hidden ones that Signar and Kador and whatnot haven't found yet, people tread around them with caution and they're not allowed free roam. There's only certain places they're allowed to be before they're barred entry. They're very rapey. Um, yes, that, that is that is a core thing of their people and culture. Um, and, and they're, they're and only women. People. Yes, and it's only women. Males do not exist because they die at birth. Or they're killed. Period. Or, or, they're, or they're killed shortly after because they're not going to make it. Yeah. Um, so then there's also the scards, which are humans... Some are, most are blighted, some are not, and they live on the Scarred Islands as a whole. They are descendants of the tribal people that used to live there that have been exposed some to... Some of them worship the, Taruk, some of them don't. He's yeah. got a whole cult, it's a big church, they have rituals. No um, one trusts a Scarred because they're all assumed to be associated with the Cricks, but not all of them are. They, they, they tend to be most of the pirates that make up that aren't from or are from Cricks. Um, they uh, or the Scarred Islands. They they tend to have um, a lot of piercings and facial tattoos. Yeah, the, you you look at a scarred and you know it's a scarred you've, because you've had a have, hard life. Yes. weathered skin. Yeah, weathered skin, piercings of bone and whatnot, tattoos. They they are the one race where it explicitly states that they tattoo themselves a lot. No one else really does, so it's very easy to identify them. And it's a cultural thing. It's yeah. not like, well, I was raised separate of them. Well, you probably didn't make it then. But, you know, you do you. Trollkin um, live out anywhere. Yes, Trollkin are all over the place. We haven't mentioned them because they're everywhere. Yeah. They don't have a set nation. They've been kicked out a lot. Um, they, they've lived in human lands. They've lived in the they, wilds. They've they're... been compared to the, the Scottish meets the Native Americans. Yes. Uh, and that that's fairly accurate, Gobbers especially lace. Native Americans. Yeah. Signar, that's where that Native American reference comes from, but it's also part of their culture thing. But Scotland, yeah, I agree. That that's that's their core they have a lot of kind cuts. of um, caber tosses. They love a good caber toss. Uh, so um, the uh, Thornwood Forest is a home to a lot of the uh, Gatormen, but they'll go pretty much anywhere. Um, anywhere there's a swamper by you, you will find a Gatorman. Yeah. Also, uh, they tend they like water, and they tend to work as mercenaries. Yep. Um, they, so the, the Trollkin have lived in Signar a lot, and yes. they also are Trollkin that served in the Signar and the Signar military, not in the Cador military, the Signarin. Yes. So you will see uh, trolls in. Oh, also in Ord, you will find Trollkin over there. Not, uh, not trolls, Trollkin. Yeah. They'll, they, um, they, they also have served in the military over there. They don't really do a lot in Lael. It's not no, really talked not, about not at all. so. It's not really ever and mentioned. And Protectorate tends to be a little human-focused, so... Yes, Protectorate is very human-focused, although they ha they are the biggest... Um, uh, how to word that? They're the ones that, when it comes to the native people, they brought them in. 
the Idrians from the deserts, which are the uh, native tribal people there, they brought them in. They, they you know, they, they had to convert. Yeah, but once they, they converted, they, they were welcomed into society. Yeah, Rhodes. you were you were you were given the same standing as a normal. You you were a full citizen. You were not looked down on because of your heritage. Yep. You you were just as good as anybody else. Yep, and there are even it. I mean, there's mention of Idrian warcasters mm-hmm. and mechanics. I and think priests. Um, the guy with the headpiece and the mace that work after um Amandra Draza I yeah, don't I know think, I'd I think have he, to look I'm pretty it up. sure he's, he might he's, be. he's I'm pretty sure he's Idrian um, they tend to be kind of tan yeah so uh Signar would be very friendly openly but then it gets kind of clash uh class system yeah. later on um in, in Signar you are valued more if you have magic or a skill if you can prove that you can work and work really well, also, that will get you further. Signars have the most warcasters born into their um, born, and warcasters are actually quite rare in Kador. Yes, they're, they're considered a, a valuable commodity, whereas in Signar, you can trip over one any day of the week without even realizing it sometimes magic is i mean that that's an exaggeration but i mean that's kind of how they put it out there magic is sort of spread evenly and without everywhere people have magic yes. all over the place humans there's no real this place has more magical humans than that place but th- that's not really a thing but warcasters there are um are very common in signar and very uncommon in Kador, and then it doesn't really talk about Lael or or Protectorate much. So the the two peoples that have the most magical talent for humans are the Caspians, which is the most abundant in Signar, mm-hmm. and the Thurians, which used to live mostly in Ord, but now their whole native homelands are mostly in Signar. Uh, and then there's also still a whole bunch of them that live in Ord, but for whatever reason, they're not as mentioned when it comes to warcasters and magically inclined as much. Even though it is explicitly stated, if you are born a Thurian, there is an exponentially higher chance you will be magically inclined to some measure. Oh, um, one thing that's not talked about in um, that's talked about in the Iron Kingdoms RPGs, but not really touched on in the, um, I mean, like they mention it once, but then they sort of forgot about it in the um, tabletop lore is that magic using uh, trolls or trollkins are albinos. Yes. Uh, Trollkin, pharaoh, and pidge, which are the smaller cousins of the uh, trollkin, if they are magical, they must be albino. Um, in... Iostans have all sorts of hair color, uh, hair colors like even like really random ones like blue, um, but and they don't have a specific hair color that indicates magic. But um, the Nis, which they're cousins, they typically have black hair, but the magic users um, usually are born with white. Yep, predominantly born with white. Mm-hmm. Uh, humans, there's no matter. indication. No, could be anyone. Um, let's now talk about rule, and then we'll get into some of the other races I mean, we haven't talked about. I not to talk about rule, but there's not a lot to talk about. Um, they're dwarves. Um, think of a stereotypical dwarf. Also, kind of a dwarf. they like to trade. Yes. Uh, they are... They want to make shit, and they want to trade with you. Uh, they, they, they have been like, like, you want yours. resources? We will make a trade agreement that might last decades or centuries. They're long-lived. They are very long-lived. Uh, and they have their own lands up in the mountains of Rule, which is theirs. And the it's only actually other... a giant 
lake. Yes. They, and they, they live around it. Yep. In sort of a crater. Yep. Not really a caldera, but definitely a large crater, uh, lake surrounded by mountains that's probably fed by snowmelt year-round sort of thing. And they have years, generations, I'd even go far as to say millennia, okay, I'm exaggerating, of um, conflict with Kador. Yes. Uh, they do not trust the Kadorans. Uh, is and the Kidorans don't really trust the rule. However, on a day to day, yeah, the day to day, Rulik and um, people of uh, Kador would might be suspicious of each other a little bit, but not so much. It's more You're on a nation like level. Openly hostile, but you also are not going to necessarily trust them. Yeah. Um, they also have what's known as the Sea Forge Trading Company, which yep. is the um, largest tra trading conglomerate in the area. Their um, their sort of motto is, "If you have money, we'll get it for you." Yeah, whatever it is, if you pay us enough, we will get it to you mm -hmm. at a premium. Mm -hmm. uh, there are other charters out there for um, they mercantile also have stuff. A very, but... very, very nice navy. Yes, in they their do. lake. Yeah. Uh, and then the rivers. Yeah. It's it's almost entirely river craft. That they, it's a long ways to the ocean. But they do have a river that will take them there. Yes, they have um, to go through Ord. But yes, and that'll bring us to the Ogren. Ogren, um, they are not magically inclined. Yes, they period. are not magically inclined. They they come up from um, sort of the northern area uh, originally, um, sort of near. Um, Kador and Rule. Yeah, Kador and Rule. So, so, somewhere up in there, uh, and they've moved down into uh, or, or into Rule. So there's there's a heavily population of them in Rule, but they also um, have once they were introduced to civilization as a whole, they moved out, and they're you can find them anywhere. I mean, they're not like un, they're not uncommon. You're not gonna like see like a whole town of them, but no. they're not uncommon. They have you, small you, you communities see. all over the place. Yeah. And they, they, they live in all the cities and stuff. They're, they are muscle. Yes. Oh. Men and women, they are tall, they're muscular. They kind of kind of think of like a D&D ogre, but much more intelligent and much less murder inclined. They also have an oath. Yes. Um, the Karun. I, do or they, Karun. Do, do, do or they cover that in... Um, in Requiem? I have not seen mention of it in Requiem once. You, you have and an it's oath a huge you, part of their culture. Yeah, you have this one specific oath, and it's like your one oath. And once you swear that oath, you are bound by it for, for life. And what it is, is when you come of age, you are kicked out of your community to go become an adult member of the Ogren. To do Bring that, something interesting back. Or yeah. do something great. You must go forth and adventure and find someone worthy of your protection, worthy of or your service. fellowship. Yeah. And uh, you then serve them for life, whether it's like a, a dead of life or like you save their life or they save yours or you're just like, man, you're, you're really good at your craft. Like, wow, I... I wouldn't learn how to do that too. I, I'm going to swear an oath to you. I'm going to follow you. It could be warrior related, could be craft related, it could be anything. But you follow that person until they die or you die. Now, having said that, you might leave to start a family and then come back 
but you will always be sworn to that person until they die or you die. And if they die, your oath is done. And you they usually do not re- swear. You don't. You do not swear another one. Yeah, you don't swear another one. You then return to your communities and spread your knowledge and things that you have learned. They also, they're not dumb by any stretch. No, of, they are not by any stretch of the imagination. But they are not necessarily that intelligent. Yeah, they're not going to become like a rocket scientist. Or a general or something like that. Yeah. But they can be very, very skilled at tasks. Um, we'll get into this more later. But yeah. Thagarosh, uh, who is the host of Everblight, describes that his mind was um, dull. And um, Everblight sharpened it. Um, those aren't his exact words. But um, he, he was given more access to knowledge and lifted into a higher point of consciousness once him and Everblight fused Mm. and um, that is sort of telling at kind of their intelligent level. Yeah, we don't know exactly but that's a a telltale of it. So next we'll talk about... Gobbers! Gobbers! Tiny little, like, they're goblins except not as tinkery. Oh, I mean, no, they they tinker all the time. Never mind. They're goblins who they have... They're friendly, mostly. Um, They're friendly. They live freaking everywhere. Um... And they, I don't even know where they come from. They, there's not, not a lot known about them. They're just sort of always underfoot. And so they're not magically inclined at all, period. The only, the only example we have of a gobber being magically inclined was a uh, single bone grinder who was blessed by Dunia. That is one mention, one time, one example out of every gobber ever spoken of. And there's a lot of them. They, they, they really, they, they tend to go into, like, um, making stuff with technology and everything by trial and error. Yes. Uh, humans, at least in Caspia, it's the only example I have to go off of, view them as kind of a nuisance and annoying, but extremely useful and very, very good at being mechanically inclined and adaptable. And they can, so they are used. They can be very smart and very clever. There's a, a gobber known as Reinhold, where, whereas he does not necessarily speak the most intelligible. He does, uh, he's a, basically an information broker, and yep. um, he's smart enough to do that. Yeah, and he's very good at it. Yeah. Their memory can be very, very good. Uh, when it comes to tinkering on mechanical stuff or any sort of craft and whatnot, they're extremely good at that sort of thing, and yeah. they love it. Um, they probably, if you if you have a goblin mechanic, I mean, he he can fix your shit, um, and yeah. he'll probably have leftover parts, and you're like, what do those go to? And he goes, they're unnecessary, or they're unnecessary. Don't worry about it. And um, or, but you know, he also it'll work you're just like okay <laughs> yeah and they, they they have a thing but, that they but do called bodging where they just never kinda, went to school yeah they never went to school but i mean if you don't mind what it looks like and how safe it potentially is it works yeah for the moment it might break in a few seconds but then he'll get it going again so that that's kind of a gobber for you now keep in mind those are that's mostly a city gobber swamp gobbers and wild <laughs> gobbers Freaks. Yes, they are very tribal. Um, hit and run. They like to um, ambush caravans a lot. They set traps. Uh, go in, steal everything they're, they're, they can. They run not, away. They're not going to try to kill you. They're they're no. going to go in. They're going to get what they can, and they're going to leave. I mean, if they if they happen to kill you in the process, that sucks for you. That's not their aim. No, that's not. They just want your stuff, and then they're going to run off very, into very the woods. Very very vicious chihuahuas. 
<laughs> yeah. They might bite your ankle in the process. Uh, worst case scenario, they, they might accidentally kill the driver when they were trying to kill, like, the lead oxen or something, but that that's about it. Um, but, yeah. However, speaking of gobbers, you can't speak of vicious gobbers in the swamp without talking about Bogren. They're mean, taller cousins. A gobber they is, like, not... three foot tall. Bogren are, like, four or five. They're not known for or intelligence. Four, four, th three to four. They're yeah. not known for intelligence. Um... They are only ever talked about in violence. Yes, they have a very violent, very, very crude society. They, they tend to be tribal. Um, they actually live pretty close with Gatormen a lot. They do, which and, we're uh, going to talk about them next. <laughs> violent for them. Um, and they, they if, if you run into a pack of, of Bogren, they're going to kill you. Yeah, they, they're there to scavenge anything you they can off of you. You too close to them, they're going to murder you. Violence. Uh, now, having stated that, they can be magically inclined if they are uh, any way a um, worshipper of the Devourer Worm who is the creator of all predators on the world. Uh, and he's currently in a forever war with eh, Menoth in the afterlife. We, we don't need to go to that. So um, if they worship him, you can find uh, shamans and an occasional sorcerer, maybe a bone grinder. And that's about it that, we've ever, that I have ever come across as a reference. Um, but, yeah, there's not a whole lot else to say. They're they not as trap or tinkering inclined. They're more pick up something that looks like it might be useful as a shield and something to stab you with and go at they, it. Gobbers are everywhere. Bogren tend to be... Um, in the wild places. In the wild places. If, if you were if you were doing a wild campaign or a an on-the-edge campaign, um, they're not comfortable in civilization. Bogren are also not looked at kindly by any of the civilized peoples. probably had a relative killed Bogren or to human to... Uh, Iosin, any of them, they are viewed uh, as... I don't know. Ogren probably wouldn't care about them. Uh, well, yeah, I don't know. It Ogrens are like it, eight feet tall. They could just step on them. Well, but at the same time, pack tactics. Okay. That's, oh, here, here's a way to view them. Hardier kobolds. <laughs> the, the angry kobolds that are there to take your stuff and like scavenge, that sort of thing. That That's a better way to describe that. The only thing that makes them less of a monster and more of a playable race is they're a little more intelligent. Not by a lot, but just enough. And, and you could, like, they, they would go into civilization and, and that kind of stuff, into, like, a major town, but they, they are not going to be treated kindly. No, and they are going to lash out and not being treated well. So if you made a Bogren bard, you're playing it wrong. Yes. Shame on you. That's not funny. I mean, I know you're thinking, oh, that sounds hilarious. No, it's just dumb. Save yourself and everyone else the time. Yes. All right. Now, moving on to the Gatormen. Okay. So the Gatormen, they live in the swamps and bayous, which A we've mentioned. Giant gator. They are not viewed kindly by the city folk. They like, were going to look at them like, should I run? Are we under attack? Yeah, I mean, What's going if, on? If one's walking through town with a group of people, um, everybody's going to get out of the way. Um, only an idiot would probably pick a fight because Gatormen have a tendency to occasionally start eating things. So as long as there would probably be along the lines of don't get too close and you might have the city guards watching you everywhere you go. But you could enter the city. Yeah. Uh, and you could get around, especially they, through by the docks. Yeah. They would be seen on occasion, but they are not going to be common by any regard. They are, they are, they are mercenaries. Yep. Um, 
and and they, they they do do the mercenary work, but they would prefer to do it in um, a wild setting rather than in a town. Um, they also are not incredibly intelligent. They are very magically inclined because they yes. do have Gatorman gods who give them magic. Yep, they worship Kosk. <laughs> yeah, um, and a few others. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you'll you'll find um, shamans, sorcerers, they not also wizards. They are really big into the undead. They are also necromancers. You yes. will find them frequently being necromancers because they that is another view reason why they're death not. as a form of life that is different, and they they yeah. do that, that a lot. That, that is also one of the reasons why they are not incredibly looked on with kindness. Yes, because um, they have a tendency, especially the shamans, which there tend to be a lot of them, um, to summon born um, summon bone swarms, and then all of a sudden there's a pile of bones following after it. Yeah. Um, may as well mention it here. Necromancy, as you might gather from the cricks, is viewed with heavy um, hostility. Yeah, if you are a necromancer of any sort, do not practice it openly. You will be burned as a witch. Yes. Also, to go with that, slavery outside of undead do not exist in the Iron Kingdoms, period, end of story. Yeah. Outside of one exception, and that is the Scorn. We haven't talked about them yet. They exist... They're all about slavery, but they're also off in this deserts doing their own thing. I don't, you don't think see it's them a playable anywhere. class in this book yet. Uh, it? It's not been released yet, but I figure okay, so I just, should bring it up because it is mentioned as if you want to play it, there's sort of rules for it. Eh. I just don't worry about them right now. Yeah. So as far as anyone is really concerned, slavery doesn't exist. Yeah. Uh, the only form of slavery that does exist is being an undead. That's it. Yeah, and and um. Oh my god. Nightmare Empire does introduce undead classes. You would not be looked on kindly again. Yeah, if you're undead, it's kill on sight. Period. Yeah. End of story as far as any living thing in the Iron Kingdoms is concerned. It's, it's like With the exception of, of Gatorman. They, they would be interested, but they'd also be like, that is undead. And awesome, I but am it's not, not mine. It. <laughs> yeah. That is a problem. Yeah. Um, so, moving on to... I don't know. What haven't we talked about yet? We haven't talked about... Um, Let's not touch on the scorn. There's no real point. Yeah, there's no point in touching on the scorn. There, there they, would be... They, there they would came, not they attacked, be, they failed, they left. They would Done. not be scorn. If you saw a scorn in the major city, you would probably freak the F out. Yeah, you, you honestly would. Yeah. Now, there are some um, races we're not really talking about here, like the Croaks and some of them, because we don't have any of that released yet. That Kickstarter hasn't happened. Those books haven't come out. We can't really speak to that. Yeah, Croaks are like Gatorman. Uh, yeah. I mean, for of. like you might... I've never heard of a Croak being in the city. No, they are, they are wild folk only. Um, they prefer to stick to the waterways because they, they have to. They do have magic. Um, they have to live where there is Pharaoh. water. Pharaoh. Oh, Pharaoh. Yes, we should talk um, about Pharaoh. Pharaoh. I love Pharaoh. are from over near the Bloodstorm Marshes. They pretty much are everywhere. Actually, that's not entirely true. Like, they, they're they around, but they are not common. That, that would be more accurate. Um, Some of them have been said to... Uh, we do have examples of them working for the Signaran military to try and earn a better life. Um, but they're not going they're to be seen out. They're not that smart. Like the most, the, the most smartiest of them is um, Lord Carver. L Lord BDSM. <laughs> Lord BMMD Esquire. Lord Carver BMMD Esquire the Third. BMMD stands for Bringer of Most Massive Destruction. 
Uh, and he is the smartest of all of them, and he is frequently stumped. Uh, especially, like, he, he went to become a great general in the Signarin military, figured out pretty quick that wasn't going to happen, served his term, left, and was like, I'm going to bring all the Pharaoh together into my nation. Problem with that. The Pharaoh are very much the strongest is the leader, the weakest is eaten or, like, oh, banished. Yeah. They all are not against cannibalism. They are not against cannibalism. It is, it's not really a cultural thing. It's just a matter of fact. If you're strong, you live. If you're weak, you die. Period. Also, we're tasty. We're pigs. Yeah, they, they love bacon, and they're based on pig people. <laughs> okay. That is a fact. <laughs> they love each other. Yes. Um... um so, so Carver has been trying to bring civilization to his people, and his people are being like, but I'm delicious, lick, lick, lick. <laughs> yes, but also joking aside, they're a scavenger people, and they're extremely tribal, and they're very, very, very hardy. Very st hardy and stubborn. <laughs> they also are stupid. <laughs> they are stupid. But they're smart enough to figure out how to f use a firearm. They're smart enough to know how to use magic if they're albino and magically inclined, but they're not exactly going to build civilization. Their civilization is mud and brick huts. Carver's uh, trying so hard. He is, and he's trying to pave roads and this and that. And the he's he's got a few um, beasts or no warlocks with him that are kind of setting things up, and so um, they'll they'll work as because you know you're like here I'll pay you this shiny coin, and they bite it, and then they're like shiny, and they'll they'll do what you, you know they'll do jobs for you, but um, they aren't necessarily the most intelligent. To 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 note on that little part there also. You could feed, you could give them a coin. They'll be like, this is really shiny. But we, the biggest thing to get them to do things is food. Yeah. Just give them scrap leftovers. Literally slop will get them to do more for you than any amount of coin you could ever give them. Whoever <laughs> feeds them the best is the person they're going to follow. There's, there's a, a doctor who has gone out there to perform illegal, um, unethical experiments on their kind. And they're totally okay with it because he's making better warriors for them. Yeah, a pharaoh take very, very well to selective breeding and also genetic manipulation. And Arcadius discovered this. He's like, "You two do it," and they're like, "Do we?" Have? And um, and they're like, "Huh?" And he's like, "Food." And he's like, "Okay." Yeah, they're like, "All right, how long?" You know, <laughs> that that sort of mentality, and that's that's a pharaoh for you. You could be a pharaoh. You could go into the city as a pharaoh, but you have to keep that mentality in mind and know that people are going to treat you as such. Because that's kind of what it is to be a pharaoh. Yeah. And they're just not seen you often. You could be an, an intelligent pharaoh. There are intelligent pharaohs. There they are. are. They are also the most of the bone grinders are pharaoh. Um, when it comes to magic yeah. use. Uh, sorcerers and bone grinders. And that's your bread and butter when it comes to that if it's not a warlock. They also have warlocks. Yes, they also have warlocks. They have the warlocks. What they need is they need a pork node. <laughs> An arc node in pork format. Yes. Badly need that. One of their models on the table is literally a wagon hooked up to a giant meat grinder wheel with pigs inside it, and there's a fire behind it, heated it up so the pigs will run faster. Yeah, and it that, doesn't have brakes. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, the brakes are all of the um, uh, razor bores inside of your wheel burned up. Yeah. Get more. <laughs> also, dinner served. Yeah. That, that is that is literally 
one of their models. That's their mentality. They have beasts that um, that fight for them that have been that are experiments of Dr. Arcadius that uh, he chopped off their limbs and put on uh, warjack limbs onto them. Yeah. That is literally one of their one of their war, war beasts. He's like, I'm gonna cut off your arm. I'm gonna put on this ro- uh, this warjack arm. Now go forth and cause havoc. Oh, also, I'm going to carve out part of your back and put a boiler in there. Um, but I'm also going to do this other thing so your body kind of repairs the damage from being cooked. We'll see how long you last. And it, it just works. <laughs> it, it, it works. Like, it's missing part of its spine but doesn't care. Somehow. <laughs> so just, that that's Pharaoh for you. Oh, I love Dr. Arcadius. All right, so there's two races left that we'll touch on, and then we'll probably finish it up for this, and then we'll uh, come back to classes and that sort of yeah, stuff at we'll, a later we'll, date. we'll talk about classes and, and how they... Um, how they work as the Iron Kingdom versus D&D version later. And what so, can't be them, because, goddammit, D&D. <laughs> so, first off, Idrian Marchfolk. I touched on them briefly. I just want to circle back to them. The Idrian Marchfolk in the Requiem books as we currently have them counts for all of the native peoples any. of or any of the native peoples uh which there are actually a lot of them yeah. um and they are the you know they're the natives they're tribal and they can be found just about everywhere Cat. The ones, oh, cats knocking things over um they are they knocked over a doom pile yes stephalanche mm. so the the ones m- mentioned here the march folk are the ones from the desert uh, so just kind of bear that in mind. Uh, and they have been elevated culture, not so much culturally, um, technologically by the protectorate. And they don't really see it like a need to serve the protectorate so much as they are now Menites. If you are a Idrian March folk, you are you basically have to be a Menite to keep it lore accurate. Um unless you are trying to view it as one that was pushed out of the marshes, but then you wouldn't speak or understand any of the culture around you. So it kind of could work, but maybe not. Really look at that closely. You're, you're a Mennite. They, 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 they're like, be a Mennite, and we'll give you all this shit. And you're like, okay, I'm a Mennite. And they're like, okay, we have to prove it. And you prove that you're a Mennite. And they're like, okay, have all this crap. And the, then they're like, yay, do you want us to do anything? And you're like, no, just keep worshipping Mennoth, and we're good. Yeah. Also, um, you know, if you want a job, we'll pay you. Yeah. If you want to join our military, that's cool, too. If you want to be a general, you just got to work your way up. Yeah. And they do. And then lastly, we'll talk about pygmy trolls, or pidges, as they're also called. Pidge trolls are troll bloods, but smaller. Yes. So a trollkin would be like seven foot tall, six to seven foot, whereas a pidge troll is like... A really tall, skinny one is five foot, but mostly they're like three to four foot. Okay, I have to I have to talk about this because I don't know if it's touched on in these books. So when um, when a trollkin or a pitch troll, either one, gets a law um, an arm or a finger or a foot or a toe oh, yeah. cut off, they regrow that limb because they have hyper regeneration. That limb also grows a very small, annoying body known as a whelp. Now, whelps are not very intelligent, but they are attached to their original host, and the troll can tend to get attached to them and be like, oh, I made that. Come here. Not always. Sometimes they just leave them alone, and they go wander around until they, trying trying to take care of themselves until they get, you know, 
eaten by something larger. <laughs> yeah. Um, Both but, Trollkin and Pidges have this, yeah, and it's I, unique to them. And they'll, they'll like, have them, and they'll keep them, and they'll do stuff for them. Um, it, it's been described, I don't remember which book. But they, they, like a pet. Yeah. A they, pet monkey. Yeah, kind of like a pet monkey that you can't train to... You cannot potty train it to save your life, yeah. period. But you can't get rid of it. It was part of you. And now it has its own little life and personality. And it follows you around and pees on you constantly. But you still like it. But you still like it. Um, you just wish it would stop. They, they, they can be trained to do simple things. Like, um, I know that the bushwhackers like to use their whelps as, like, lookouts. Yeah. Um, but what's funny about these things is, is like, they'll have one giant finger. Because that was the original Trollkin or Pidge's finger, and then it grew the tiny body off of it. Yeah, you got your foot lopped off, and after a number of days it grew back. But also your foot grew a body, and its other foot is the size of a toe. Or like slight, <laughs> it's bouncing sli around on its one giant foot. Yeah, like two-thirds of its body weight is that foot. Uh, um... Borka, who is a caster in, um, uh, a war caster in, warlock in, um, in war, I, in war Machine, he trained his pitch to follow him around with a giant barrel of ale, ale so he could constantly stay drunk. Yeah. Well, you can, you can have it carry, like, a keg for you. You can they, have they it. They would love to do that. They you, love alcohol. You can have it play an instrument. You can have it, like, they'll, they'll play a flute. Not well, we presume, but they'll do it. And they also like being like little lookouts and like looking out for you and that sort of thing. I mean, they, they might use their uh, lookout glass to smack you a few times, but they'll also tell you when danger's coming if they're paying attention. There's, there's another model where um, it pulls the trigger on... Uh, there's a war beast with a giant gun on its back that can't pull the trigger on its gun, so there's a pidge on top pulling the gun for it. Yeah, the pidge <laughs> is doing that, and the whelp is riding its back. No, no, I think I think the, is the pidge... No, it, a... it, it's a pidge that's on the troll's back, okay. not, not a whelp. Um, I think we said that interchangeably. So yeah. to clarify, Trollkin and the smaller version of them called the Pidge, yes. they lose a finger or hand, foot, not really anything bigger than that. It'll grow back as its own little thing called a whelp. And the whelps are what we're talking about, are monkey-like yeah. little pets that follow around that their wander master. around, and they're, they're, they're just, they're, they're hilarious. And if you're a Trollkin, you should have one. Yeah. Or if you get seriously, severely injured... You should have one. Yes, definitely. Uh, and one last thing to note on them is the Trollkin and Pidge children and whelps, when they're young, you <laughs> cannot tell them apart. Well, I mean, you can because, well. you know, your child won't have a giant finger, but there was a, a story that Caster told me about where a Trollkin mother is looking for their child, and the child wandered off and got lost in a, a group of, of whelps, and she's um, trying to get to her child, but the whelps are being so annoying and bouncing around and everything, and she's having a, she has to, like, pick one up and be like, nope, that has a giant finger, throw it to the side. Pick one up, nope, that has a giant foot, throw it to the side. Nope, nope, that has a toe. <laughs> yeah. Trying and then finally child. pick up one, and then the child's like, you found me! You know, hooray! Yeah. And, you know, she took it home. And the, the it was told from the, the perspective of the father who was sitting there like, I want to see my kid. I'm about ready to go off to war. And the mother's like, uh, okay, give me a second. <laughs> it's not dinner time, so I gotta go figure out which one it is. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> he would have come home for food. <laughs> So, pidges are very, very crafty, kind of like gobbers. Um, they hang around Trollkin society, for the most part, and other trolls, but they will go off and do their own thing. They love to tinker. 
they're exceptionally good shots. Mm. They're innately good at ranged combat, whether it's a firearm or a bow, and that's what they love to do. And the class really, or the uh, race really leans into that. But they still have the regenerative abilities of the Trollkin, as we've already mentioned. Um, so just be aware of that. Also, to circle back, um, you can be magically inclined as a Pidge if you're albino. Also, I've never heard of a Pidge warlock, but I mm. would leave that up to GM discretion, I guess. Yeah, we have heard of sorcerers. Uh, and... They, as far as we know, they can do whatever a troll can, can do. I mean, yeah. I've never seen a pidge be a like a, a, a stone shaper or anything like that. Uh, I've seen a fire sorcerer one, and I think that's it. But as far as we know, they can do anything that the troll can, can do, but I would, I would leave that up to the GM. Yeah, basically. Um, they also, uh, all Trollkin, or Pidges, just like Trollkin, they're kind of Scottish uh, background, but the Pidges, instead of having refined houses, will happily live in little mud huts, while building a really nice house for a Trollkin that same day, they'll go to sleep in their little hut and then get up and go build the really nice house. They just have no desire to have nice things of their own unless it is something to feed their family or a craft. That's when they take pride in getting the best they can. They so like lean good, into that. They also like good weapons. Oh, yes. Yes, they do. And that's kind of what we have for you guys today. Um, if there's anything specific more than that regarding those topics, let helpful, us know. I don't know helpful, but it, it, we're, we're trying to do a breakdown without, you know, going into, like, a full... Like, not with without rehashing lore downs. Yeah. Because uh, we've already, we're kind of in the middle of doing that. But um, that's kind of, I mean, we broke it as we were going to do Divergent, but that's really how to play it lore centralized. If you want to play any of this as D&D, do whatever you want, because D&D lets you do whatever you want. But from a lore standpoint, these are the things you need to keep in mind. Yeah, we, we broke down the nations the best we could. And um, if you really want that kind of information, I would say go back to the um, IKRPG and get the D6 books because... It's a really fun game. They, they have, like, um, the King's Nation and God's book. They have... Um, they also have a bunch of small supplementary guides that Castor has, like, all of them. Mm. And they give you stuff in there that you couldn't even possibly imagine. Um, it, it's... it's they, they did a lot with it. And I just... They don't have that kind of stuff... If, if you want the nation stuff, we, I mean, it's going to be a little difficult because of the claiming ending, you know, the information is different, but it'll give you a good idea on what you're looking at, yeah. people-wise. So, yeah, basically. Now, to finish off, as a little foreword for our next episode, Get I'm intending on doing... God's book, sorry. Yeah, the, if you wanted to know more about the nations and their lore and the humans, that is number one, the book to get. Um... So next time, and I think we're just, I don't know, if, this might be a three-part series. It might just be two. It um, could be four, five. It could be. Anyways, next time, we're going to talk about Mechanica, Steamjacks, Cortexes, and uh, start to get into the, the uh, feats, essences, and classes. Uh, and then after that will probably just be a lot of class stuff. Me. So that is what we're looking forward to doing also, next. 
if not for anything, get the Legend of the Witchfires and the Shadow of the Seeker, just because they've got good monsters in it, and they're they're balanced good for lower level um, campaigns. Uh, and then we're also going to get into uh, the optional rules. If you really want to play the game as an Iron Kingdoms experience, there's a lot of that and some certain books yeah. you're going to want to get to really make the game Iron Kingdoms. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, um, there you have it, folks. I uh, hope you enjoyed. Thank you all for joining us here today. And we love having you here. And I'll see you again real soon. Bye. Mwah.